Welcome to another episode of Tactical Tuesday with Modern Milsim. Through this podcast, we will bring you real-world tactics, techniques, and procedures that will enable you to succeed on the Milsim battlefield. It's time to make ready. Hello, and welcome to Episode 8 of Tactical Tuesday with Modern Millsim. As always, I am your host, Craig White. Thank you for being here. Now today we're going to talk about ambushes and how they can be effectively used on the Millsim battlefield. An ambush is defined as a surprise attack by fire from concealed positions on a moving or temporarily halted enemy. Depending on the type and objective of the ambush, it may also include a follow-on maneuver in which the ambushing force assaults through the enemy formation in order to destroy its forces and equipment. Unlike in an attack, the ambushing force has no intent to seize or control terrain. So why would you want to conduct an ambush? In addition to destroying the enemy, an ambush can be conducted to 1. To harass the enemy and degrade his ability to conduct current or future operations. 2. To destroy a particular type or number of vehicles. This is sometimes referred to as an anti-tank ambush. Such an ambush could be conducted to destroy vehicles critical to the enemy's operations or defenses. Three, to disrupt the enemy's operational tempo. Four, to demoralize the enemy. Five, to deceive the enemy as to your intentions. Six, to focus the enemy's attention on the ambush and to degrade his situational awareness so that you can conduct decisive operations elsewhere. Seven to temporarily deny the enemy control of a particular piece of terrain. 8. To deny the enemy's use of a particular avenue of approach. 9. To kill a particular person or people. And 10. To capture a particular person or people. Now, in order to avoid confusion between an ambush and a raid, it is important to remember that the enemy decides the time of executing the ambush. The enemy must move into the kill zone or kill sack before the ambush is triggered. With a raid, the friendly attacking forces determine when it will be executed. The other difference is the location of a raid versus an ambush. With a raid, the enemy decides the location where it will take place. With an ambush, friendly forces decide when it will take place. We'll get to raids in a future episode of this podcast, but for now, we're going to continue our focus on the ambush. Although execution of an ambush is offensive in nature, keep in mind that it can be conducted both during the offensive and defensive operations. Think about it this way. If you use an ambush to destroy enemy reinforcements to an objective held by the enemy, it is being conducted as part of offensive operations. Now, if you have a force behind enemy lines and you use that force to ambush the enemy while it is moving up to attack friendly forces, then you're using it as part of defensive operations. So to assist your understanding of how to effectively employ ambushes, we need to talk about the terminology of this mission task. First, let's talk about the ambush site. This is the location where the ambush is to take place, including all the terrain occupied by friendly forces executing the ambush, as well as the kill zone that will be occupied by the enemy when an ambush is successfully executed. Next is the kill zone. The kill zone is designated as the area where the ambush will be triggered and where the enemy force will be engaged in an effort to destroy it. In selecting a kill zone, the senior leader on site will need to select terrain that the enemy is likely to enter, such as a choke point or road. If all possible, the surrounding train should naturally funnel or canalize the enemy into the kill zone and impede its ability to escape the ambush once it's triggered. 
Think of bridges, valleys, or elevated roads. In selecting the kill zone, the senior leader will want a large enough area to contain the entire enemy formation to greater ensure that the enemy is destroyed in the ambush. Now, the Objective Rally Point, or ORP, is a location that friendly forces occupy prior to moving into positions at the ambush site. While exfilling from the ambush site, friendly troops will also move to the ORP in order to reorganize before moving out after the ambush is complete. A deliberate ambush is a pre-planned ambush conducted against a specific target for specific purposes at a predetermined location. In contrast, a hasty ambush is conducted when a unit makes contact with an enemy force and has time to establish an ambush without being detected. In MILSIM, you are much more likely to be engaging in hasty ambushes as opposed to a pre-planned, deliberate ambush. Typically, ambushes are categorized as either a near ambush or a far ambush. In a near ambush, friendly forces, including the assault, support, and security elements, are positioned very close to the kill zone where they can employ accurate direct fire to destroy the enemy at near point-blank ranges of 75 to 100 feet. The terrain for near ambushes should be fairly obvious. Urban terrain, wooded areas, and other areas that provide significant concealment and cover for friendly forces are preferable. Remember that concealment is especially important for near ambushes. Friendly forces need to remain undetected before the ambush is executed. Unlike in a far ambush, the assault element will assault through the kill zone to eliminate any remaining enemy before friendly ambushing forces exfil from the ambush site. With the near ambush, the officer in charge, or OIC, needs to be careful to pick terrain where the entire kill zone can be covered by every weapon in the ambushing force. He does not need to have any trees or obstacles blocking lines of fire into the kill zone. More on this later in this episode. Now with a far ambush, it is executed at longer ranges in excess of 100 feet. Unlike in the near ambush, the duties of the assault and support element are essentially the same. Both fire into the kill zone, but neither element enters or clears through the kill zone. Also in contrast to the near ambush, friendly forces in the far ambush are essentially attacking by fire. There is no effort to close with the enemy. Instead, friendly forces are shooting to reduce the enemy's combat effectiveness, to hamper enemy movement, and to incidentally eliminate enemy players. Now, there are three friendly tactical elements that execute an ambush. They are the assault, support, and security elements. Now, the mission of the assault element is to eliminate the enemy either by direct fire and or by assaulting through the kill zone. As we will discuss in more detail in a few minutes, it is the assault element that assaults through and clears the kill zone during a near ambush. In a far ambush, the assault element destroys the enemy through direct fire only. Because the actions of the assault element are so critical to the success of the ambush, the officer in charge will assign the next most senior leader to lead that element during the ambush. So next we have the support element. The chief mission task of the support element is to fix the enemy in the kill zone once it moves into it. In other words, the support element acts as a goalie to prevent the enemy from escaping the kill zone as they are naturally wanting to try to do. Then finally we have the security element. The security element takes on one of several roles depending on the tactical situation on the ground. The most important mission task of the security element is to protect the assault and support elements as they infill to and exfill from the ambush site. They are also responsible for protecting the flanks and rear of the assault and support elements while they prepare for and execute the ambush. The security element is the first one to enter the ambush site 
and secure it before the assault and support elements move into position. Typically, a team from the security element will also move back and secure the operational rally point before the remainder of the force exfils from the ambush site and returns to the ORP to reorganize and reconsolidate. Now, if I have not already mentioned this, the officer in charge will lead the support element with the next officer in charge or the second in charge will be leading the assault element of the ambush. Now, the reason for this is that the officer in charge is also in charge of the entire ambush force and not just the support element. In that position, he has to be able to have observation on the entire ambush site and be able to coordinate fires of both the support and the assault element and to ensure that the security elements are properly in place. The officer in charge, or OIC, is also responsible for signaling when the ambush is to commence and when it is to end. Now, in contrast, the second officer in charge of the 2IC leads the assault element because it is so critical to the success of the ambush. Now, there are six essential steps to conducting an ambush. First, friendly forces must use tactical movement to reach the operational rally point, or ORP. This ORP can be pre-selected or determined on the ground by the officer in charge, depending on the size of the element conducting the ambush. Second, the OIC, along with the recon slash rear security team and the assault element leader, conduct recon at the ambush site. Third, the OIC establishes the positions of one or more security elements, depending on the type of formation being used in the ambush. Fourth, the OIC prepares the ambush site by emplacing both the assault and the support elements, emplaces any mines or artificial obstacles, checks to make sure the assault and support elements have clear lines of fire to the entire kill zone and other tasks necessary to ensure the success of the ambush. Fifth, friendly forces execute the ambush. And then finally, the friendly forces exfil or withdraw from the ambush site to the operational rally point. Again, the intent of any ambush is to kill as many enemy troops and to destroy as much of their equipment as possible. From a small unit tactics perspective, how and to what extent that is achieved determines whether to employ either a near or far ambush. Ambushes are typically conducted in one of three basic formations. The OIC will use METT-TC or METC to determine which formation is appropriate for preparing and executing the ambush. METC is an acronym that stands for Mission, Enemy, Terrain, Troops, Time, and Civilian Considerations. In other words, which formation to use for the ambush will be based on the mission to be accomplished, the size and type of the enemy being ambushed, which formation best conforms to the terrain at the ambush site, the number of troops available to conduct the ambush, and the time available to prepare and execute the ambush. Unless there are civilian role players at the event, civilian considerations will likely not be a consideration in deciding which ambush formation to use. So let's talk about the simplest and most often utilized ambush formation, the linear formation. With the linear formation, the assault and support elements are deployed in a line roughly parallel to the enemy's anticipated movement route. This formation is often used when the ambush is being conducted next to a straight road or trail. The enemy moves into the long axis of the kill zone where it is subject to flanking fire. For a near ambush, the support element uses direct fire to push the enemy located at the ends of the kill zone deeper into it so it cannot escape. This ambush formation is especially effective when constricting terrain is present on the opposite side of the kill zone from the support and assault elements. 
The enemy will have difficulty moving away from the assault and support elements and must try to escape out the sides of the kill zone. The next most often used ambush formation is the L-shape. The L-shaped ambush is usually conducted at sharp bends in a road, trail, or stream that the enemy is using for movement. In the L-shaped ambush, the assault element forms the long leg of the L parallel to the enemy's direction of movement into the kill zone. The support element, with at least one SAW or LMG, form the short leg of the L immediately around the bend of the road and at a right angle to the assault element. This provides the support element with enfilading fire against the enemy. At the same time, it provides the assault element with flanking fire on the same enemy formation in the kill zone. Since the L-shaped ambush is more complex than the linear ambush, and is more often used for near ambushes, the OIC at the ambush site must coordinate sectors of fire for the support and assault elements to prevent their fire from straying into the locations of the other elements. He must also more carefully coordinate lifting the fire of the support element so that it does not put flanking fire into the assault element while it salts through the kill zone to clear away any remaining enemy resistance. You don't want a saw or LMG in the support element to accidentally eliminate your own assault element by mistake. The L-shaped ambush formation should not be used where the support element or short leg of the L must cross a straight road or trail to get into position. It should only be used at sharp curves or bends in the trail, road, or stream used by the enemy to move. Examples of both an L-shape and linear ambush formation will be posted on the Modern Milson Facebook page in the comments below the post for this episode. The linear and L-shaped are the most commonly used ambush formations because one or the other work well in most situations. They are more easily implemented without undue risk of fratricide or friendly fire. That being said, some terrain considerations may suggest use of a V-shaped ambush. The V-shaped ambush is much harder to coordinate than the linear or L-shaped ambush and has a much higher likelihood of friendly fire. With the V-shaped ambush, two separate assault elements are positioned on both sides of the enemy movement route so that they form a V. The open part of the V faces toward the enemy's most likely direction of approach. In other words, the top of the V is facing in the direction where the enemy is coming. As you can see from the position of the assault elements across from each other, there is a much higher chance that one of them will shoot through the enemy and into friendlies on the other side of the enemy's route. Special effort must be used to ensure that fire from each assault element is directed away from the other and toward the enemy's route at a point further toward their anticipated direction of advance. The V-shaped ambush formation is often used for conducting near ambushes where the ambushing forces are positioned on high ground and the kill zone is below them. By directing fire down and away from the other ambush elements and teams, fratricide is avoided. As previously discussed, the ambushing force will need to be organized into assault, support, and security elements. Depending on the type of ambush that is being conducted and what formation that will be used for the ambush, each element may be divided into one or more separate teams. The OIC at the ambush site will take on ultimate control over the ambushing force and will assign a leader for each ambush team. He will be positioned with the support element in order to better initiate and coordinate fires in the ambush. As previously discussed, the security element is responsible for providing flank and rear security for the ambushing force. It is commonly divided into a right security, left security, and a recon slash rear security team. The recon slash rear security team will move forward from the ORP with the ambush force leader 
to perform an initial recon of the ambush site before inserting the remaining ambush teams. This security team will remain in place to keep eyes on the ambush site while the OIC moves back to the ORP to coordinate infill of the rest of the ambush teams into their respective positions. Once the rest of the ambush teams are in place, the recon slash security team will take on the role of rear security and overwatch. The right and left security teams have responsibility for protecting the ambush forces right and left flanks respectively. This is to prevent the enemy from surprising the ambush force by coming in from an unexpected direction and ambushing the ambushing force, so to speak. In a near ambush, one of the ambush forces, SAWs, or LMGs needs to be positioned with the security team that is closest to the enemy-anticipated direction of approach. This may be important later if the ambush force is compromised and needs to break contact with the enemy. A SAW or LMG in that position can provide covering fire while the support and assault elements break contact. Typically, the security element leader will usually take a position with either the left or right security team. The support element is responsible for delivering effective heavy weapons fire against the enemy in the kill zone and to use direct fire to prevent enemy from escaping the kill zone. Unlike the security element, the support element is rarely broken down into smaller teams. The support element is positioned in the ambush formation so that it can deliver accurate fire throughout the entire kill zone. Is typically comprised of support gunners, grenadiers, designated marksmen, and other heavy weapon operators. Think of the support element as the base of fire for the assault element. It initially lays waste to the kill zone, then provides overwatch for the assault element as it assaults through and clears the kill zone of any remaining enemy. With a linear ambush formation, the support element is usually positioned adjacent to the assault element on the opposite side of the enemy's expected direction of approach. It is also oriented or angled so that it can cover the entire length and breadth of the kill zone. Positioning the support element in this manner also facilitates efforts to shift fire away from the assault element as it assaults through and clears the kill zone. With an L-shaped ambush formation, the support element is located behind the curve of the road and perpendicular to the enemy's anticipated direction of approach. So now let's talk about the assault element. The assault element is responsible for augmenting the fire of the support element when the ambush is initially executed. In a near ambush, the assault element is also responsible for assaulting through the kill zone to eliminate any remaining enemy when the support element lifts fire. By adding its fire to the support element when the ambush is triggered, the assault element increases the violence of action for the ambush. This combined with the suddenness of the ambush will frequently demoralize the targeted enemy and render them combat ineffective. Depending on the MILSIM organizer's rule set, an ambush may also contain an enemy prisoner of war or EPW team to search for enemy intelligence such as maps, orders, plans, radio frequencies, and the like, a demolition team to destroy or booby trap enemy weapons and equipment, or a grab team to secure individual high payoff targets such as enemy leaders and the like. The elements of the ambush force are the same for both near and far ambushes. The only main difference is that the assault team for a far ambush does not assault through the kill zone. In the far ambush, the assault element remains with the support element and directs accurate fire into the kill zone. Unlike with the near ambush, the distances between the assault, support, and security elements, or teams, in a far ambush may be longer. It is also not unusual to position a natural obstacle such as a stream between the ambush force and the kill zone to hinder any enemy attempt to assault through the ambush. It is important that this obstacle not provide cover to the enemy or mask the fires 
of the support or assault elements of the ambush. You want to obstruct enemy movement toward friendly forces, but you do not want to obstruct or mask accurate fire on the enemy. With the far ambush, security teams are typically positioned away from each other and may not have a line of sight between them. In addition, the recon slash rear security team is also much more critical because it is protecting the escape route for friendly forces. So let's talk about planning and setting up an ambush. As you have already probably figured out by now, surprise, coordinated fires, and control are key to a successful ambush. Surprise allows the ambushing force to seize the initiative and control the execution of the ambush. Surprise must be so nearly complete that the targeted enemy does not expect an ambush until it is too late to react effectively. This is especially true for a near ambush since the ambushing force is positioned in close proximity to the kill zone. This proximity can make the withdrawal problematic if the enemy detects the ambush before it is timely triggered. The initial step for setting up an ambush is for the ambushing force to patrol to and occupy the Operational Rally Point ORRP. This ORP needs to be at least one train feature or approximately 500 to 750 feet away from the intended ambush site. Once the ambush force reaches the ORP, the OIC along with the recon slash rear security team and possibly with the ambush element leader will move forward to perform a leader's reconnaissance of the ambush site. This recon is used by the OIC to help plan and coordinate the ambush. This includes the determination of whether to conduct a near or far ambush and which formation to use for maximum effect. The OIC conducts this recon without walking to or within the kill zone. The OIC also confirms that the ambush site has appropriate train to conduct an ambush using the Okoka methodology. If the train is not conducive for an ambush, he selects a more appropriate location nearby. Now, Okoka, spelled O-C-O-K-A, is an acronym that stands for Observation of Fields of Fire, Cover and Concealment, Obstacles, Key Terrain, and Avenues of Approach. Now, observation is the ability to acquire enemy targets in a particular area. The best observation is from the highest terrain in the area in which you are observing. Fields of fire refer to the area a weapon can cover effectively from a given point. A field of fire is limited by each weapon's effective range. Cover is protection from enemy fire. Unlike cover, concealment only protects a force or unit from observation. Obstacles is a terrain feature that stops, impedes, slows, or diverts movement. Key terrain is a terrain feature which, if controlled, will give a market advantage to whoever controls it. Avenues of approach mean the ability of friendly and enemy forces to reach objectives. Think of avenues of approach as mobility corridors. Now, I will talk about Okoka in a later episode of this podcast when we discuss train analysis and intelligence preparation of the battlefield. For purposes of ambushes, observation, fields of fire, cover and concealment, and obstacles are the elements of Okoka that will have significant impact on deciding where to conduct an ambush. Now, the ambush, OIC, must take into account several considerations while planning and coordinating an ambush. For example, the support and assault elements must be able to cover the entire kill zone or engagement area with accurate direct fire. This also includes the ability of the support element to use fires to prevent the enemy from escaping from the kill zone. Also, the ambush force must use existing terrain features, including rocks, fallen trees, cliffs, and other constrained terrain, or reinforcing obstacles, such as claymores or mines, to keep the enemy in the kill zone. The OIC must also determine whether and how to protect the assault or support elements with mines, claymores, or other simulated explosive devices. 
He must also position security teams to isolate the kill zone and to protect the ambushing force. This includes the placement of rear security behind the support and assault elements of the ambush. The OIC must also ensure that the assault element has a clear path to assault into and through the kill zone to eliminate any remaining enemy and to allow other special teams to reach the kill zone. The OIC must also coordinate the timing and execution for all elements and teams of the ambush to maintain surprise. For a deer ambush, the ambush force should also outnumber the enemy by a 2 to 1 ratio or more. Once the OIC decides to proceed with the ambush, he will initially position a two-man recon slash rear security team where they are still concealed but can still observe the kill zone. The two-man team sits back-to-back with one man keeping eyes on the kill zone and with the other facing back toward the ORP. Once the recon slash rear security element is in place, the OIC returns to the ORP to lead the remaining elements and teams of the ambush force to their positions at the ambush site. The force will infill to the ambush site with the left and right security teams moving directly behind the OIC, followed by the support element, which is followed by the assault element. The elements move to the ambush site in this order because this is the order in which they will be positioned when they arrive at the ambush site. Once the assault element is in position, the OIC conducts a radio check with each element leader. Especially with a far ambush, one of the security teams will likely see the enemy first. When that happens, the security team must inform the OIC of the enemy movement and the enemy's estimated time of arrival in the kill zone. To maximize surprise and effective fire into the kill zone, assault and support element leaders must ensure that their element or team members form a terrain adaptive line that provides adequate cover and concealment before the ambush is initiated and provides a clear line of fire into the kill zone. He should avoid using rigid distances between team or element members when they are in place. Element and team members also want to avoid bunching up. So let's talk a little bit more in detail about the differences of near and far ambushes. The near ambush has the express purpose of destroying the enemy target. It is not intended to deny the enemy freedom of movement or to degrade its situational awareness. The intent of the near ambush is to destroy everything. Since friendly forces must completely overwhelm the enemy target, they are physically positioned in very close proximity to the kill zone before the ambush is executed. We are talking about hand grenade range of within 100 feet. The kill zone in a near ambush must be close enough for the assault element to rush across and clear it. The ability to assault through the kill zone of a near ambush is dependent on the terrain surrounding the ambush site. As the density of vegetation around the kill zone increases, the ability of the assault element to rush forward and assault through the kill zone decreases. In thick vegetation, the near ambush may need to be positioned as close as 30 feet from the kill zone. In more open terrain, it can be positioned up to 100 feet away. Because of its proximity to the kill zone, friendly forces must necessarily outnumber the enemy. Because the intent of the near ambush is to destroy the enemy, the ambushing force should employ obstacles on the far side of the kill zone to prevent enemy from escaping the ambush. Such obstacles can be both natural, such as a steep hill, cliff, or large body of water. It can even be an open field that exposes the enemy to fire as they attempt to escape. They can also be artificial obstacles, such as claymores, buildings, wire, and mines. Now with the far ambush, the distance between the kill zone and the ambushing force is too far for the assaulting element to rush and assault through the kill zone. Typically, we're talking about 100 feet or more. Since the intent of a far ambush is to harass, injure, or delay the enemy target, 
And since the distances between the target and the ambush force are longer, the ambush force does not necessarily need to outnumber the enemy. However, the OIC of the ambush force needs to carefully plan and identify escape routes. This is to allow friendly forces to escape before the enemy recovers from the initial attack and begins to counterattack. As discussed earlier in this episode, having an obstacle that does not mass fire on the enemy can facilitate the exfil of friendly forces from the ambush. So let's talk about executing an ambush. Fire discipline is a key issue in executing any ambush. The ambush elements must hold fire until the ambush leader gives the signal to initiate the ambush. Typically, this is when the OIC directs the most casualty-producing weapon in the ambush to open up on the enemy. Typically, this will be a saw or an LMG. Once the ambush is initiated, support and assault elements deliver fire at the maximum rate possible while still maintaining accuracy. Any saws or LMGs utilize rapid fire while sweeping the length and breadth of the kill zone. This is called fire superiority. Failing to provide maximum fire can delay the assault element's assault into the kill zone, allow the enemy to react to contact, and possibly allow the enemy to counterattack. Massed, accurate fire helps achieve surprise and or otherwise shock and destroy the enemy. In a near ambush, the assault element only conducts its assault through the kill zone when the enemy fire and resistance has been eliminated. At that point, it is critical for the support element to lift or shift fire away from the assault element. Remember, friendly fire isn't. Once the support element lifts fire, the assault element assaults through the entire kill zone and eliminates any surviving enemy. Once the kill zone is clear of any remaining enemy, the assault element sets security on the far side of the kill zone and the assault element leader notifies the OIC that the assault is complete via radio communication or by giving the OIC a thumbs up sign. The assault element then continues to provide security for any specialty teams while they perform their respective missions in the kill zone. Once the near ambush is complete, elements of the ambush force will exfil from the ambush site with the assault element exfilling first to the ORP. The support element will then exfil behind the assault element. Finally, the right and left security teams will exfil to the ORP from the ambush point. The last team to leave the ambush site for the ORP will be the recon slash rear security team. When the support element returns to the ORP after the ambush is completed, it will set 360-degree security until the rest of the ambush force arrives. Once all the ambush force is accounted for, it will then reorganize and move out of the ORP to accomplish whatever additional missions have been assigned to it by higher command. In contrast to the near ambush, the purpose of the far ambush is to injure, delay, or harass the enemy target. Because the intent of a far ambush is not the complete destruction of the enemy, there is no reason to risk loss of friendly forces. As such, the far ambush is conducted at longer ranges than the near ambush, and the assault element does not conduct an assault through the kill zone after the initial volley of fire into it is lifted. Essentially, the assault and support elements attack the enemy in the kill zone by fire only. Unlike the near ambush, where indirect fires are within the danger close radius, the OIC for the far ambush can use artillery fires and close air support to engage the enemy located in the kill zone of the far ambush. Because this ambush is not up close and personal with the enemy, the force conducting it does not have to be larger than the enemy force it is attacking. A far ambush team can engage an enemy patrol of any size and type. This is because the far ambush element can utilize distance from the enemy, natural obstacles and terrain, 
and pre-established routes to escape engagement by a larger enemy force. Typically, a far ambush ends up being more of a hit-and-run affair. The ambush force moves to withdraw after the initial attack by fire on the enemy in order to avoid an enemy counterattack. So what happens if surprise is lost and the ambush fails? With a far ambush, it is far more easy for the ambush force to disengage and withdraw. The support element should use suppressing fire to allow the assault element to withdraw first. Then the support element should withdraw by bounding back to the ORP. Finally, the security team should withdraw behind the support element to cover its retreat. Once the ambush force reaches the ORP, it sets security until it is reorganized and ready to move out again. Now with the near ambush, breaking contact is not so easy. The entire ambush force is already in close proximity to the enemy and must decide whether to continue the attack or to withdraw by bounds. If the ambushing force maintains a 3 to 1 advantage over the enemy, it may consider pushing through with the attack. Otherwise, the ambushing force should consider withdrawing from the ambush site. Each element needs to withdraw by bounds while using smoke to help conceal its withdrawal. Use of artillery-delivered smoke can also be effective. As with the far ambush, the assault element withdraws first, followed by the support element. The assault element withdraws first because the support element is comprised of saws and LMGs that can better suppress the enemy. Suppressing fire by the support element can also be augmented by any saw or LMG embedded with the left or right security teams. As the left and right security teams break contact with the enemy, the recon slash rear security team will cover the rear as all the security teams move to the ORP. Now up to this point, we have been talking about ambushes in the general sense with the presumption that the enemy target is dismounted infantry. Now an important variation of the ambush is the anti-tank ambush. The intent of this ambush is to eliminate armored fighting vehicles, technicals, and transport vehicles. Although the same general ambush techniques and procedures apply to anti-tank ambushes, there are a few distinctions. First, anti-tank ambushes are normally conducted as far ambushes to reduce the effectiveness of the enemy vehicle's return fire. Keep in mind that the distance to the kill zone must be within the effective range of the anti-tank weapons being used by the ambushing force. In addition, the support element and or assault element should eliminate the first and last vehicle that enters the kill zone to ensure that the remaining vehicles in the center of the convoy are trapped and can be later destroyed. Now in urban terrain, a smaller anti-tank element supported by infantry can effectively destroy enemy armored fighting vehicles, technicals, and other vehicles. In this ambush, each vehicle will need to be hit almost simultaneously to prevent return fire. I recommend hitting the vehicles at the front and rear of the convoy or other formation with projectile anti-tank weapons while throwing grenades to destroy the remaining vehicles and any infantry trapped in the middle. So these are some of the basic tactics, techniques, and procedures for the effective use of ambushes on the Milsim battlefield. Next week, we're going to discuss how to react and defeat an enemy ambush. If you have any topics you would like to see covered in future episodes of Tactical Tuesday, please let us know by posting it on the Modern Milsim Facebook page. I am always interested in input from my subscribers. If it's not one of the topics that we are already planning to cover, we will likely add it to our ever-growing topic list. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, as well as many other podcast directories. As always, thank you for your support, and I'll see you in our next episode. See you then.
our listeners out there, thank you for tuning in, and I look forward to providing you with new episodes every two weeks. If you like what you're hearing on this podcast, please subscribe and provide us with a review. We want to know what you like and how we can improve. You can also contact us on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash modern with any suggestions you may have. In our next episode of Tactical Tuesday, we will discuss tactics, techniques, and procedures for reacting to and defeating enemy ambushes on the Milsim battlefield. If you want to know more about application of real-world tactics, techniques, and procedures to Milsim, please check out from Alpha to Omega, a Milsim tactical primer and training manual, as well as from Insertion to Extraction, Advanced Milsim CQB Tactics, Techniques, and Procedures. Both books are available at Amazon.com. As always, thank you for your support, and I'll see you at our next installment of Tactical Tuesday.